Good morning, church. Welcome to another uh, Sunday message. This will be our last uh, recording that we will be doing for July. Lord willing, we will be um, back in fellowship very soon. Um, so let's pray for that. Continue to pray for those brothers and sisters. We hear news every day of hardships and um, people being affected more and more. Uh, so let's continue to pray for each other. This morning, we're going to continue our journey in Luke. I'd like to pray, take it at a bit of a different pace this morning, just pray and tell you the story, explain a bit of history about what happens in Luke chapter 2 after he was born. There's a lot going on there and... Um, so let's look at it as a bit of a history lesson, a bit of a, uh, an information um, message this morning um, because it really lines up what the essence of the gospel is. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the ability to still be edified and grow through uh, these messages, even though we cannot meet in person, we, we praise you, Lord, for the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So Jesus was born, the shepherds went out and spread the good news of his birth as the angels had uh, appeared to them. And then eight days later, um, <clears throat> he was circumcised and he was named Jesus. So today's message is called, What is in a Name? Jesus means God with us, God among us. And isn't that the whole point from the beginning, from Genesis right up to Revelation, everything in between, God's, when we say God's redemptive plan, it is to heal that schism to fill that gap so that we may be together with our Creator and our Lord once again. For some context on that, let's go back all the way, all the way back to Genesis um, and the fall. And it records God um, walking through the garden in the cool of the day looking for Adam and Eve. You know what that implies? That when they hid themselves because suddenly they had sinned and they were ashamed, that schism began. And 
and it implies that they walked together with the Lord. Whatever that looked like, I cannot imagine it. But God was with them. He was among them. The point of the tabernacle and the temple was for the people of Israel to experience the presence of the Lord. But there was a problem, sin. And that's why the temple required all these law, all these rituals and all these laws and all these additional things. It was to safeguard us from the holiness of God because we are sinful and the two God's holiness is, is not something we want to experience in a state of sin. It's dangerous for us. So the, the temple and the tabernacle was meant to bring some sort of presence of God among his people. But it wasn't perfect. There were all these laws to safeguard, um, to help us, um, to help the Israelites experience his presence among them in their tabernacle, in the, in the temple. And a lot of that is going to come into today's message. These laws and these um, sacrifices and these rituals. And yet, God was among them in this baby. And it goes, and we'll, we'll read that for the end, but I want to read from Revelations as well at the end. But let's turn to chapter 2 of Luke. After the... Um, the shepherds, um, the presentation of Jesus at the temple. So he was circumcised after eight days and given the name Jesus, God among us, God with us. And then it says, um, and when the days of her purification, Mary, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they, were, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Okay, so two things are happening there. <clears throat> In the law of Moses, it records um, that um, the, her purification, because birth does involve blood, <laughs> unfortunately, um, and because of the fallen state of earth, of the world that we live in and our bodies, the temple and the holiness that it represented of God and the, the holiness that was at least um, in the Old Testament truly there was um, incompatible again with the, with the fallen state of our world and our bodies. If you had an open wound, if you touched or handled um, a corpse, um, if you gave birth, <laughs> because blood was involved, um, you had to go through a purification ritual before you were allowed to participate in the ceremonies and rituals of the temple. 
There was a purification period after uh, menstrual cycles for women. There were purification rituals. If you did this, if you did this, um, uh, the priests were were um, selected. They they couldn't have. Um, touched or handled uh, um, dead things. So there were all these rituals because the penalty for sin is death and we are living in a fallen world that to come into the presence of God required safeguards. That's, that's what's happening. And so her purification time, which was around 40 days, they were uh, strict to the law, uh, and then it says they brought them to Jerusalem to the temple to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Now let's read that part, okay? That part is in Exodus. And again, reiterated, we'll get to that. In Exodus... Uh, did I mark it now in with these tags correctly? Uh oh, I don't think I did. <laughs> in Exodus seventeen, it tells us that part of the covenant was that the first fruits, everything firstborn, um, whether it be a, a, a harvest, a child, even an animal child, um, would be brought to the temple. It belonged to the Lord. And the priests um, um, for their own sustenance <laughs> were, uh, according to the laws, um, they were allowed to eat of that. But according to the law of Moses in Exodus, it tells us that as the firstborn of, of, of anything belongs to the Lord, and so you must bring it to the Lord, to the temple, because it is His. Now that is true for us as well. I want to read in um, um, in Numbers later on when the law and the Ten Commandments are formalized and the Levitical rituals are written out and everything in Numbers it says this okay about this firstborn law in Exodus. Every uh, devoted in Israel will bring, will be brought, will be yours. Everything that opens the womb of all flesh, which they bring to the Lord, whether it be of man or animals, will be yours. However, you will surely redeem the firstborn of men, of man, and the firstborn of the unclean beast. You will redeem their redemption price, reckoned from. One month of age is five shekels. And after the shekel of the sanctuary, 
which is 20 grams. So, if we go back to Luke chapter 2, this is exactly what Mary and Joseph did. They brought their firstborn son to the temple because it was the Lord's. And we see this, this almost irony in all of these rituals. We're going to get to that. Okay, when their days of purification, according to, uh, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem. We're back in Luke to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of Moses. Every firstborn male shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pairs of young pigeons. <clears throat> so they paid a, um, a redemption price, uh, redeem, to, to pay something um, for someone else. Or, or to, to ransom or exactly what Christ did on the cross with his blood. But um, in a civil law sense, they had to, Lord, this is yours. We give him to you. And then they, they bought him back. <laughs> we see these lines being drawn. Then the two turtle doves, the sacrifice that is also written. We're back in Leviticus chapter 12. Purification. So Leviticus chapter 12, back in the law all the way. When the days of her purifying are fulfilled, okay, Mary, doing what it says in Leviticus, whether for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring an old lamb, a, a year old lamb to be a burnt offering and a young pigeon or turtle dove for a sin offering to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting who shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. Then she, she shall become cleansed of the issue of her blood. <clears throat> okay. Um, sorry, I forgot to mention uh, one more thing there from Leviticus 12. It says, this... Um, is the law for the woman who has given birth to a male or a female child. If she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall bring two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for the burnt offering and one for the sin offering. So we have redemption in the law. We have atonement. And we have... Um, Salvation. 
But isn't it interesting? Um, so again, going back to the law, going back to the foundation of the world of sin that, that Jesus was born into, the fallen world touched by sin and death, in order to be purified, in order to come into the presence of the Lord, uh, once again, um, Mary had to, like all women, um, had to complete this ritual, the, the, the one burnt offering. Um, so the, the, the normal was a lamb and a dove. The sin offering was your sin would be put um, um, symbolically onto the one that doesn't have the, the sin, the dove. And then the burnt offering would be burnt um, and the righteousness of the one that was offered would be then um, added to you, the person offering. So it worked in, in this way. Um, your sin was given to someone else, to something else, in this case a turtle dove, and the lamb was burnt, and its innocence, um, because of the offering, would then be atoned to you. Atonement. Okay? That's how the uh, atonement offering worked. If you were poor, you could bring two doves instead of the lamb and the dove. And that's what they did, because they were poor. They were of the peasant caste. But wait, what about the gold of the, of the wise men? They were rolling in the dough, weren't they? No, <laughs> because that happened much later. The wise men were not part of the events of Jesus' birth. In fact, they only appeared in his toddler years. Um, if you read scripture carefully, um, they did not use a time machine to appear on the night when the star appeared to travel from the east to meet with Herod to decipher the scriptures would have taken months and years to actually get to a point where they met and saw Jesus and could offer those gifts which by the way I believe funded their escape um, into Egypt where they lived until Herod died. So those gifts uh, were timely and were likely used to fund the family's um, escape. I mean, think about how much a plane ticket costs nowadays, and we're not even trying to smuggle anyone out of a country. <laughs> so no, they were poor. It's interesting, the point I'm trying to make is that there's a sense of irony in all of this. That for so long, since the beginning of creation, we have tried to be in the presence of our Creator, of our Lord. God sowed, um, um, killed an, a, a calf, an animal, the first sacrifice, and he used 
the skin to make clothes for Adam and Eve so that they may not be ashamed, so that they may come out of hiding. And so a rocky road of trying to restore that, that beautiful union began back then. And through the law, it wasn't perfect. But in Jesus Christ, he came to fulfill the law. And that's part of what that means. That the law was meant in part, in, in a great at its foundation, to allow the presence of God to be with his people and that they may be his God, they, his people, and, and he may be their God. And in Jesus Christ, that foundational, that, that, that the spirit behind the law was fulfilled, that finally, as believers who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we may once again come fully into the presence of the Lord. And so there's, there's an irony here <laughs> that they present the babe to the Lord true and they were following these rituals to allow Mary to come into the presence of the Lord, the temple. But she was holding the incarnate God, Jesus Christ, in her hands from his birth. But the day isn't over yet. See, what is in a name? There was an old man, Simeon. His name, by the way, means hearing. And he was a very astute, attentive man. I'm sure because it says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would not die before he sees the Lord's Christ. And I bet... <laughs> that every day you woke up excitedly, maybe it's today, maybe it's today, maybe it's today. Other sources tells us that he was actually uh, a priest at the temple and he held an office there, um, quite a high ranking, and they actually um, brought Jesus to him um, but um, he was a righteous man and he was waiting for the uh, consolation, <laughs> the promise fulfilled, in other words. And he sees this couple coming with their newborn baby. He says, that's it. There he is. The Christ. When his parents brought the child Jesus to him, capital, to God, according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, received him, Jesus, into his arms. And blessed God and said, 
Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. He was ready to die according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Joseph and his mother were amazed at the things that he spoke. So what is in a name? This is the fourth prayer or prophecy that has been spoken of a child that has done nothing yet. <laughs> Yet the Lord knows he is our Savior. Once again, it echoes the declaration of the, the angels to the shepherds and of Zechariah when John was born. He is our Savior. To save us from sin. To save us from the wrath of God that is upon those who rebel against him in sin. We sin because we are sinners, and because we are sinners, we sin. That this nature that we are in, and the state of our relationship and our separation from God, there is so much to be saved from, of eternal consequence. And Lord, came to do that. He's our salvation. He is God's salvation for us. And it says, for all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Um, the word there is um, uh, the Greek word uh, apocalypsis. Um, it's the word where we get the word apocalypse from. And it means unveiling of truth. The, the, the revealed, it's all laid bare. It's opened. That is why revelation is called the, the apocalypse. Because it's, it's, it's the final truth. This is, this is it. And in Jesus Christ, it says... The truth to the Gentiles, that's why it's, uh, some translations say the word light. But that's the word that Simon used. That's why it says in the MEV, light of revelation to the Gentiles. And he acknowledged Isaiah's prophecy that salvation would be for all, not just for the nation of Israel. And then he says, and glory to your people. Again, echoing the words of the previous prophecies that he is the Messiah, the King of kings, and in him will be the fulfilled promises of the nation and God's people, chosen people. But he will not only be their king, he will be our king as well. And in the second coming, that the, the, the Messiahship of the Lord in in. in um, in what the people might have expected then, <clears throat> that he is a Messiah to us as well, in that he's our king, in that he is 
the fulfillment of promises made to us as well. We can't claim all promises willy-nilly. But he is a glory to the nation of Israel, yes, because he is their promised Messiah. So when the angel declared to Mary and to Joseph before Jesus was born, name him Jesus, Emmanuel, God among us. And that's what they did at his circumcision. And they presented the sinless child immaculately conceived according to the customs and the laws that he would ultimately come to fulfill jumping through so many hoops just to experience a glimmer of the presence of God and yet there he was among his people I want to finish here but Simon has still some words for Mary maybe we can continue in another message What is in a name? This is in a name I'd like to read from Revelations chapter 21. The light, the apocalypse, <laughs> the revealed truth. In verse 21, John saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Look, the tabernacle, the house of God, is with men, with mankind, with humankind, and he will dwell with them. They shall be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. <clears throat> Something incredible happened when Jesus Christ came into this world, did miracles, preached salvation, and died on the cross for us. And it begins by dragging all these loose ends, these gaps in the Old Testament that the people didn't have answers for, the promises that were yet to be fulfilled, ties them to this little child. So something incredible happened. What do you want to take away from this? Are we Christ-centered? Last week, I mentioned that the shepherds went out because they had heard a message from the angels 
and yet one greater than the angels tells us to go out and we don't do anything about it. Today, this old man declared the incarnate God, Christ, is born Do we center our thinking on the Lord? That this man's only hope, his dying wish, was to see the Christ just one time before his death. I fear our view of Christ is is skewed and marred and blurred. Let us be more Christ-centered in our thinking and our deeds, and let us get to know who Jesus Christ is from the Gospel of Luke. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your Holy One that you sent our Lord Jesus Christ that died on the cross for our sins, that he began life as we all did, and that, Lord, you know what it is to be human. And may we be more Christ-centered, as Simeon daily looking to the faces of all around him, hoping to catch a glimpse of Christ. Where is our enthusiasm, our vigor, our excitement, our joy to talk about Christ, to fill our thoughts with Christ-centered things, to share the gospel with friends and family? Thank you as we get to know Jesus Christ as he was, as it was recorded in your inspired scripture in Luke. Amen. Have a blessed day.